traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected. CannabisRadio.com presents NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. The National Cannabis Industry Association is the only national trade organization representing the businesses of the legal cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice covers a range of topics, including the rapidly evolving political and policy changes that affect our industry, news and events of importance to cannabis professionals, and features on companies, individuals, and campaigns at the cutting edge of the cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice begins now. Hi, thanks for tuning in to NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. This is Bethany Moore, your host. I'm the Communications and Projects Manager at the National Cannabis Industry Association. My guest is a someone here local here in Denver, and we're going to talk a lot about Denver. It's Emmett Reistroffer. He works with Denver Relief Consulting and has been central to running the Yes on 300 social use campaign. And there's a longer name for that. I will let Emmett share that. But first, let me welcome Emmett to the show. Hi, Emmett. Thanks for joining me. Oh, thank you so much. It's uh, good to be on the podcast with you, Bethany, and I'm uh, really excited to talk about social use today. I'm super excited to talk about it, too. Um, so first, let's introduce you a little bit more to our audience. Can you tell us more about your background? What brought you to the cannabis industry and movement? Sure. So I guess my uh, goes all the way back to my childhood because um, I learned about cannabis, like most people, through my D.A.R.E. program in <laughs> elementary school. I learned about how awful it was, and I actually um, had the blessing of finding out at a young age uh, shortly after that time that cannabis was helping my grandmother get through her cancer treatment. Okay. I actually... Uh, quote-unquote busted my mom uh, when she was <laughs> clearing up some cannabis uh, from the seeds and stems and getting it ready to take to my grandma. And so even though my school taught me one thing, 
Um, my family taught me another right around the same age. And so I kind of saw the contrast and I think that's what led me to be so interested. Um, so fast forward several years later, um, I ended up volunteering to drive uh, three multiple sclerosis patients to my state capital where I grew up in South Dakota. And we tried to pass a medical marijuana bill in South Dakota and we weren't successful, but I ended up um, essentially turning into a campaign leader pretty quickly just by volunteering and getting involved. There was a lot of patients, but there wasn't uh, anyone to really lay the groundwork and do you know, pretty much all the work. And so um, I started a campaign when I was nine old, and ever since then, I have just been, uh, <laughs> one thing has led uh, from one to the next. And before I knew it, I was working for Marijuana Policy Project in Denver in 2011, and I led the petition drive for Amendment 64, and that helped me get into the cannabis industry here. I did do political consulting for two election cycles, and I worked in several states and kind of bounced around all over the place, but I decided to make Denver my home, and I took a job with Denver Relief Consulting in 2014, and I've been here ever since. And um, so that's kind of how I got from, you know, way back then until now. I love it. I love that you've been doing work for so very long. So thank you for, for that. Um, so you mentioned you work now at Denver Relief Consulting, a very well-known uh, cannabis consulting company here in Denver, Colorado. Tell me more about your role there and some of the work that Denver Relief Consulting does. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, I must add that Denver Relief Consulting was a founding member of the NCIA. And so we're uh, definitely uh, proud supporters of the work that you do. And DRC um, is a small boutique firm. There's only myself and another consultant here, in addition to the three principals. And then we have a couple other staffers um, that do technical writing and office admin. And so we're a very small staff, and that's one of the things I love most about it. Um, we take a lot of pride in C-centered approach. Um, and so I think that's, um, you know, what's kind of lent us a lot of support from the broader community and made us such a reputable go-to firm for cannabis consulting because we always have put the patients first, we've put the advocacy first, um, and that's why we like to support NCIA and other groups like MCBA and take on projects like uh, the I-300 campaign where we really tried to push um, the policy side forward. Uh, speaking of policy, that's been kind of my expertise or my role that I've taken on in the past year. And so I really monitor and report on all of the policy developments going on across the country. And I still do a lot of work regarding compliance and licensing, um, but I'm really looking forward to the policy developments and how we find new opportunities for the cannabis industry um, based on the policy changes. And so that's kind of what I do here at DRC. Right. They're really keeping you busy over there. <laughs> um, so uh, speaking of, Denver Relief Consulting put you in charge of the social use campaign here in Denver, Colorado. I, I want to talk more about how that campaign came to be and ultimately how it went down in this recent election last November when Denver residents voted to positively put this into place. Tell me more about that. Yeah, I would love to. So 
the I three campaign, I three hundred campaign was really a uh, effort that started before twenty sixteen. I think it really goes back to uh, Amendment sixty four. After that passed, and um, we thought we solved all the world's problems, we actually found <laughs> out there was still a lot more work to do, um, and especially because different parts of the amendment haven't maybe been interpreted the way that we would have liked or the way that we interpret it. And so we have we found um, after a year or two years that different city officials and lawmakers and elected officials were interpreting Amendment 64 in a very narrow uh, manner. And they decided that uh, the prohibition on, on openly and publicly was so broad that we couldn't have social consumption. And you might even remember um, when the symphony orchestra tried to do an event and they were threatened by Denver police and there was other events and there was kind of this time period of uncertainty and even the local city officials didn't really know what was allowed. So I think they took the approach of let's not allow anything at all. And we've had to work really hard to kind of change that. So leading up to 2015, our friends at Vicente Cedarburg launched a campaign for limited social use and successfully got it on the ballot. But they did decide to withdraw from the ballot in order to have conversations with city council and try to pass an even better initiative through the city council process. Mm -hmm. um, unfortunately, that only went so far. So we tried turning down every avenue that was possible. And come spring 2016, I talked about this with Denver Relief Consulting and we teamed up with Vicente Cedarburg. They helped us draft the initiative and we decided to manage the campaign and really make sure we could pass the initiative. And so we launched the campaign, uh, I think in June or July of last year. Mm -hmm. And then um, we basically got the signatures in less than a month, set a new record for any campaign I ever worked on. Mm -hmm. And we put it on the ballot, got number 300. And then um, we had a very exciting campaign. We had over 100 businesses and organizations endorsed the initiative, including the Denver Democratic Party, including the Denver Post, um, endorsements that marijuana campaigns generally had not ever earned in Colorado before. So we thought it was a very historic campaign. And as you know, we won with 53% of the vote on election day. Yeah, absolutely. Great job. I know that there were so many volunteers really pounding the pavement to get those signatures. So congratulations on a job well done, your whole team there for sure. So we're going to take a quick commercial break, but we'll be right back with Emmett to talk more about the social use campaign. Stay tuned. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. Equio, New Frontier's cutting-edge big data platform, puts the information and answers you need right at your fingertips in real time to help you more effectively run your cannabis business. Go to www.equio.io to sign up for your free membership today. Again, that's www.equio.io. Run with New Frontier and let us help you conquer the wild. 
Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now. About a game for your phone, gonna make you say, wow! The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash. Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash. Little by little, your empire grows large. Put the big celebrities inside your entourage. You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Chichin and Chong. Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong. The name of the game is Himping, that's the point. Download and play while you light yourself a joint. The business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh yeah, get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. Hi, I'm Montel Williams. Most of you know me as a talk show host, but I'm also an author, actor, single father of four, avid snowboarder, and I'm also a medical marijuana patient. Living with multiple sclerosis, I'm in pain every day. Medical marijuana is my last resort, and it helps me when all other drugs have failed. If you'd like more information about medical marijuana, you can contact the Marijuana Policy Project at mpp.org or call 1-877-JOIN-MPP. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice, only on CannabisRadio.com. We're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. This is your host, Bethany Moore, and I'm talking with Emmett Reistroffer here about the social use campaign here in Denver, Colorado, and its progress. Um, so, Emmett, you were you were saying how the campaign came to be and how it came down in the election and all the signature gathering that took place. So now uh, you said more, 53% voted yes. So now putting this into place, actually implementing it into real action in our community, tell me more about that. So the city of Denver created an advisory committee that was responsible for considering and drafting rules for the new consumption pilot program. Um, it was a great experience. I got to serve on the committee and I was joined by some uh, colleagues and friends like Maureen McNamara from Cannabis Trainers and Kobe from uh, an event company that specializes in cannabis events and a few others, including even our campaign opponent, Rachel O'Brien, who ran the Vote No on 300 campaign. So the committee was really meant to represent the whole community. It even included city council members and some different uh, government officials from the Department of Health. Uh, and the police department. The committee met six times over three months, and for the most part, we had a consensus that we wanted to implement this program and move it. It was definitely uh, some difference of opinion on dual consumption and how do we uh, relate this to places that serve alcohol. Um, mm -hmm. So there was a lot of pushback on that. There was a lot of concern about where these permits will be located and um, what type of ventilation and odor control requirements will be put into place. So we really got to dig in deep into the details. Um, now, six months later, the city has finally released its draft of the final rules. Um, unfortunately, we think some of these rules go way too far and place unnecessary burdens on both consumers and the businesses. So I still don't think the fight is quite over, but I am Definitely proud of the progress we've made because we're closer than we've ever been before. And the goal really is to make sure these businesses can be open to the public, of course, just for adults 21 and older, um, but without having to have just unreasonable restrictions. Right now, the rules 
uh, make it so the consumption can never be visible to anyone on the outside, even if it's on a rooftop patio five stories up. Um, these buildings would have to put in walls or fences in place to block the visibility. They'll have to have ventilation systems and ventilation plans, even if they just allow vaporizing indoors. Those are just a couple examples. Um, another rule that's kind of out there that um, seems kind of strange is they would like us to require every patron to sign in when they come in. And to me, I don't think, um, you know, these rules might not seem like a big deal on the surface, but for me, this battle has always been about the social justice of this as well, because we've already legalized cannabis and we have the vast majority of people in support of legalizing cannabis, but yet the actual consumption is still stigmatized and they still want to hide us behind walls and they still want to make us sign acknowledgement forms. And that's those are things we would never require at a bar or a restaurant that serves alcohol. So there's clearly, um, you know, a far more restrictive approach to this than with alcohol. And we're still trying to stick to the regulate like alcohol message because we think that's what works and that's what people expect. Um, but hopefully these rules will be revised and made better over time. And we can um, continue to kind of push this open to allow different types of businesses to participate. And mm -hmm. we could see this at art galleries. We could see it at concert halls. We could see it at uh, special events, perhaps. Um, but there are a lot of rules still that's going to make that difficult. So um, I, I'm not giving up anytime soon. And I'm planning to continue to work on these rules and uh, hopefully help get some of the first few places get permitted this summer. Yeah, it definitely sounds like there's some red tape being put in place that would definitely be preventive for businesses to really put this into place for, for their establishments. And the, the waiver in particular seems not only inconvenient, but from a project management standpoint here, you know, especially at a busy establishment, I just can't see how that could even be implemented. There'd be long lines out the door. Um, so totally inconvenient for one. Yeah, there's a lot of inconveniences and challenges that we're going to face. And it's going to mean these businesses have to be creative. And quite frankly, I think it's a little bit offensive that we have to prove uh, that we can do this. But we know cannabis consumers are responsible. And we know these are adults 21 years and older. And they need to be able to have a place to exercise their rights they already have under Amendment 64. So I know I'm preaching to the choir, but we're not giving up and we got to definitely keep working on these rules to make them better. Totally agree. So if you're a business owner, maybe you own a bar um, or maybe even an art gallery and you're a business owner that wants to participate in this program, you want your patrons to have the choice of a drink or a vape or uh, smoking smoking some flour in, in whatever area they're allowed to do it. So I'm a business owner that wants to participate. What is some advice you might have for me at this stage as a hypothetical business owner? Um, and what kind of business model might that look like? That's a great question. And I think it's really important that anyone uh, who is interested actually reads the initiative and reads the proposed rules and you'll know exactly what's possible. Um, but there are also some other rules that affect this. The state actually took action right after the election 
to pass their own rule at the Liquor Enforcement Division to prohibit the liquor licensed establishments from allowing marijuana consumption. And so unfortunately, that rule, the vast majority of businesses that we intended uh, to get these permits, that includes concert halls like the Ogden Theater or the Oriental Theater, um, different places like that that serve alcohol and provide entertainment and currently have a lot of customers that would like to consume cannabis and uh, really already do consume cannabis. Our goal is to get those places permitted so the staff can be trained, the customers can exercise their rights, and everyone can be happy and have a designated area where people could use their cannabis. Um, but if I were a business going into this, the biggest thing I would look for is the location. So if you already have a location, then you're going to have to figure out who is the neighborhood group that you can get support from? Um, that was a provision we put in the initiative, and it was really a way to address a lot of the concerns in Denver about saturation of cannabis businesses in certain areas. And we knew we would get pushback from neighborhood groups if we didn't give them the ability to have feedback and have some control over this. So ultimately, anyone who wants a permit has to have support from their neighborhood. There's a couple ways they can do that, but the easiest way is to get a letter from a registered neighborhood organization that covers their location. Now, if you don't have a location already, um, then I think when you're looking for a location, you have a lot of different things to keep in mind. Close is this outdoor patio gonna be located to any residences? Um, how close is this to a school or a daycare center because there's a 1,000 foot restriction that you can't be by those places? Um, so location is probably the biggest factor uh, that a business needs to think about. And then, of course, the business model. That's going to be difficult as well. In the long term, Bethany, I would really love to see us get to a point where we can have cannabis lounges that sell cannabis and allow you to use it there. That's like the pub model or the tavern model that we have with alcohol. But we're a long ways from getting to that point right now. All we can do at the city level, because state law hasn't changed, all we can do is provide consumption areas, but there will be no sale of cannabis. So the business cannot sell the cannabis, they can't serve alcohol, and so they're going to be limited to things like coffee and non-alcoholic beverages and maybe some light food. Um, <sighs> yeah, that's but, a little frustrating because that's not exactly what we were going for, but eh, <laughs> it will be interesting. Steps. Yep, yep. It will be interesting to see going forward and perhaps businesses will design new uh, businesses with all this in mind. So we need to take another commercial break, but we'll be right back to talk more about the campaign. Stay tuned. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. Are you disturbed by the prescription medication commercials on television and their endless list of side effects? They go on and on and you end up having to take multiple pills to counteract the problems caused by the first pill. It never ends. Have you looked into CBD as a more natural option? At Saturn Ranch, we produce all-natural CBD topicals and THC-infused edibles. Premium lab-tested hemp-derived CBD is the most important ingredient in our products. From topical bombs, salt scrubs, bath-soaking salts to tinctures and edibles, you're sure to find something to help. Family-owned and operated, we at Saturn Ranch believe in and use our products daily. Don't put anything on your body that you wouldn't put in your body. SaturnRanch.com The Cannabis World of Tomorrow converges 
for the first ever Southeast Cannabis Conference and Expo in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, June 9th through the 11th. Register right now at seccexpo.com. TV talk icon Montel Williams, NFL All-Stars Ricky Williams, Marvin Washington, and Kyle Turley lead some of our top-tier panels in industry information, athletics, real estate, technology, medical research, and more. Meet hundreds of vendors and thousands of entrepreneurs at the 2017 Southeast Cannabis Conference and Expo in Fort Lauderdale. Last-minute registration is open now at seccexpo.com. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be, the Vuber way. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice, only on CannabisRadio.com. Hey, we're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Bethany, talking with Emmett Reistroffer about the social use campaign here in Denver, Colorado, uh, all the challenges and all, everything that's been going into making it happen, and Going forward, you know, I'm sure others are looking at this campaign, and even though we're not 100% yet here in Denver, I wonder what advice you might have for other people who want to take on the advocacy and launch a similar campaign for social use in their region. Say you're in Washington State or Oregon, and you do have adult use cannabis laws in your state. What advice might you have for folks who want to replicate this in their area? Well, I think it's going to start with community outreach and education. Uh, One thing we learned in Denver, we would not have won if we didn't have such a big coalition of businesses and organizations. That's going to help any campaign be successful. Um, Before you even have a campaign started, you can just go out to community groups and talk about the concept and the idea more broadly and try to see who's interested to kind of uh, begin bringing together those organizations. Uh, <laughs> Go plant the seed, huh? <laughs> that's what it's all about, really. Right. Um, and it's a long process. And I think you should try to find some place like a city council member or the local mayor or anybody like that, or even allies in government, if you have a connection at the fire department, because that might be a group that's going to be looking at the ventilation requirements, or they might have some oversight there. So mm. wherever you can identify your your allies, uh, that helps you kind of create a plan to get started and then figure out where your weaknesses are. Mm-hmm. Um, but we found, and I think anyone else will run into this, the public smoking ban, or also known as the Colorado Clean Indoor Air Act, um, was a big challenge for us. That state law prohibits smoking anything indoors essentially everywhere other than your own home. And so that makes it difficult to open a cannabis club when most cannabis consumers still prefer to smoke uh, their cannabis and we're not able to give them that opportunity in a reasonable way. And there are some exemptions in the smoking ban, but they're very narrow. So to allow smoking indoors, you have to already be grandfathered in. 
and that's a few cabaret and hookah bars in Denver, or you have to be with three or fewer employees. So these restrictions really make it difficult to allow smoking indoors. And I think that we also have to fight for changes at state law in addition to our local law. And that's where it can get really tricky because um, what you do at the local level will affect what you do at the state level and vice versa. And you have to try to make sure that they can work in tandem um, to allow as many businesses to participate as possible. And with the smoking ban, that's been a huge challenge for us. Um, and we're still going to have to work on addressing that next year. Um, but my biggest advice is all about building coalitions, figure out where your weaknesses are, and then you can, and hopefully you can get your initiative on the ballot with a victory. Yeah, totally. That makes sense. Thanks for sharing that insight there. Um, how about folks here in Denver uh, who are still pushing, still want to see this implemented? Is there anything they can do? Absolutely. And it's because obviously I want Denver to be the first because I live here. But more <laughs> importantly, for the industry nationwide, we need a positive model. We need a positive role model uh, to be successful first before we can really explore this in other areas. In fact, I heard from one of my friends in Portland and uh, another contact up in Alaska that they're getting close to debating social use policies, but nobody really wants to be the first. Um, so in Denver, we got to make sure we get this right so that way we can inspire those other places to do this. Um, and what we need to do in Denver right now, there's really two main things. We have a public hearing on June 13th at 5.30 down at the Wellington Web Building. We want to get all of our supporters out there. Um, we're launching a sign-on letter on our website, which you can go to at socialuse.org, and you can basically join our campaign in urging the city to reconsider several of the rules that we identified as rules that place unnecessary burdens on consumers and businesses. So it's really simple. Just go to socialuse.org, click sign now. And when you click that button, it'll take you to a page where you can type in your name and add your name to the letter, which we will give to the city. Um, that's a really easy way. And for folks that have the ability to provide more support than that, they can reach out to me if they want to write their own letter, if they want to show up at the public hearing and provide some testimony. Um, or most importantly, if they can help by providing a donation, they can also do that online um, because all of these efforts cost money and we're always trying to raise money to offset some of those costs. Yep, totally. What was that website again for the listeners? Use.org. Excellent. Um, great. So you mentioned uh, that Alaska has been looking at this for a long time, but doesn't want to be the first. So as other areas of the country begin to wade into working plans like this into their communities, do you know of some other cities that might be next up to bat? You know, once Denver gets it right, wh where do the dominoes fall there? Yeah, the city I have my eyes on is Las Vegas, Nevada. And I know NCIA members love Las Vegas because we always have fun when we go there. <laughs> um, <laughs> maybe a little too much. Maybe, but it makes so much sense because Las Vegas has a huge tourism industry. It has a huge hospitality industry. I mean, it's all about kind of the tourist. And social use for me in Denver is about the tourist, but it's really for myself, it's more about the residents because I ran into so many senior citizens and patients who can't use it in their own homes. Um, but in a city like Las Vegas, where it's definitely 
uh, more tourist driven, I think you might see them race to the front of the line. S- State Senator Tick Seegerbloom in Nevada has sponsored a bill to authorize cannabis clubs that can both sell it and allow people to use it there. And I don't think the bill has passed yet, but I know it's getting close. Las Vegas is known for its mega casinos, uh, but the casinos don't want people using cannabis inside on the gaming floors in their restaurants. So I actually think we'll see support from the casinos to create cannabis clubs or cannabis lounges off of the strip uh, because people will need somewhere to go. And we anticipate that adult use sales will begin in Nevada on July 1st. So they're moving very quick and I'm very excited to see what might be possible in Las Vegas. Yeah, that is very encouraging to hear. Um, so as we wrap up this this uh, episode here, um, I just want to mention that you are scheduled to talk more about this on a panel at the upcoming Cannabis Business Summit and Expo. You'll be talking about the social use campaign so people c- can learn more about your efforts. Um, and when this episode airs, uh, I believe it w- our conference will be kicking off, actually. So I do encourage attendees to check out uh, the panel that Emmett will be on discussing the social use campaign. And I wish we had more time, but we have run out of time for this episode. But I do want to thank you, Emmett, not only for joining me on the podcast today, but for all your efforts working on the social use campaign and being an advocate for the businesses and consumers to push this forward. So thanks again, Emmett. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And I will see you in Oakland soon. See you in Oakland. Okay, everybody. Thanks for joining us for this episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.